How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoley. Shoots, he scores! Yeah, this is it. This is what we do. Battling through it and finding a way. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, I promise that we actually did try to record last week. We were like, all right, we're done traveling. We're all settled after Thanksgiving. And then, of course, all of Southern California went up in a blaze. Um, literally, as we were recording, actually, it started to affect our lives. <laughs> we didn't even know it. Like, I feel like we're both very on top of fires that happen. Um, but in the course from, like, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. or whatever, when we recorded, uh, 30,000 acres caught on fire. Yeah. And uh, this, this time it affected me. It burned out all of my power lines. So all of my power went out. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, wild way to have the podcast interrupted. It is kind of amazing that between just like both of us getting off of work and like getting dinner and then recording, we had no idea that this like (laughs) gigantic fire broke out. Um, But luckily, both of us so far are safe. And now we are back to talk about the Kings. We got to go see a game Saturday, which I think we will really just get into that experience in a moment. But really quick, just to give an update of where the Kings are, when we last recorded, they had, I think, lost two games, and they were ho- we were hoping that they wouldn't, that that streak wouldn't turn into something awful. And then it kind of did for a while. <laughs> um, it was rough for the second half of November. They had, like, two wins in two weeks. Uh, but then... Once, you know, they got it all together, they finally won one and then went on a road trip, won all of those, had another homestand, won all of those. They're currently on an eight-game win streak, which is amazing um, because it is both the the longest active streak and also the longest streak in the NHL so far this season. I'm excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, also, I got real tired of traveling, and so while I was overseas, the Kings only won two ga- those two games that you were talking about. Yeah. So I guess that's just a sign from the hockey gods that I can stop going places and I should just stay right. Home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's better for everyone if I just stay home. Right. I was like, oh, it ended up being kind of the perfect time though for you to go to be out of the country and like. With limited access, so you didn't have to actively watch it all the time. <laughs> That's true. I, I wasn't just like, uh, the saddest part of my day wasn't watching the Kings or something like that. Right, I lost right. lost another game. I, only, <laughs> I instead came back to uh, them winning all the time, which is yeah. fantastic. The best possible outcome. Yep. So right now, they are still first in the Pacific, second in the West, third in the league. They can't... I mean, they're much closer now to both Tampa Bay and the St. Louis Blues, but they still haven't managed to leapfrog either team. So the hope is that they keep winning because their longest um, streak in franchise history is nine games, and they've gotten close to it a couple times. They've had a couple eight-game win streaks like this in recent years, but they haven't actually tied it or, of course, beaten it. So that's the goal. They play New Jersey next. Hopefully they can at least tie it. Um, and then it would be great if they could just go for the 10 in a row because I have always wanted to see that <laughs> with the Kings uh, and maybe it could happen. They are, 
it's it's been a mix of like some really good games and some really lucky games, um, yeah. including the game that we just saw, which was kind of a mess. Just thinking about it is raising my heart rate like again about the uh, as much as it was when during overtime. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't think I have seen I mean, this excluding playoffs which are just their own type of anxiety and not really comparable, but in terms of like a regular season uh overtime, probably the one of the most stressful I can remember with the Kings because 100%. especially since They've implemented three-on-three. Like, the Kings have generally been so dominant in overtime that this was just, like, I don't think anybody in Staples Center was ready for it. (laughs) Well, okay, the thing is, I mean, three-on-three is inherently meant, essentially, for each team to get a go at scoring a goal. And it it generally just goes back and forth, right? Right. So you only have to really be stressed, uh, like, for just a moment while the other team scores. And then, usually... Typically, <laughs> the Kings will go back and, and, you know, give their go at it. But in this very special game, the Kings oh did gosh. not do that. And instead, the Canes, that's right, the Carolina Hurricanes, <laughs> were extremely dominant. And what, like, changed their lineup like three times? Yeah. During just like uh, like one moment of possession. And it was just complete agony i have never felt so stressed during a game in my entire because like even shoot uh like shootouts you know everyone gets their chance it's like agonizing that moment that they're taking it whether you want them to score or not and but like you get a moment of respite here it was never ending because you're like are the kings gonna get nope we're still here we're still defending everything and it was the worst i am honestly shocked that they won that game it was endless agony. I think it was maybe half or near half of the overtime. It was like a two-minute shift where they just could not get out of their zone. Um, it was Kopitar's group. I mean, luckily they managed. Like, that was the amazing thing is that at the end of all of it, nothing went in, which was both great but also, like you said, kind of the torture of it because you didn't really know what to look forward to. There was never that moment of, like, I can take a breath. And you could even hear in the crowd people start to get agitated. And it wasn't even, like, that (laughs) obvious agitation of yelling at the team. It was just sort of just yelling about (laughs) please end our lives or just help us out in some way um it was so much to handle luckily the that line survived but they were so gassed at the end of it even when they got possession they couldn't immediately leave the ice they kind of just had to um pass it back and forth for a few seconds to catch their breath and then get back to the bench it was intense that was the problem, though. It's like, even if they could gain possession for a moment, they were just tired. They couldn't play keep away for that long. So you're like, yeah. how do you get out of this? Like, Ugh. how, like, I guess an, I honestly didn't know how they were going to get out of it. I was like, Jonathan, quick, please do something. Just <laughs> right. Stop. Throw, it throw a person into a net in the net or something and like have it dislodged. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. at that point, all you could really ask for. But they survived it. And then um, the first person that they managed to get on the ice was Trevor Lewis. And so it was the two guys who were still deep. Um, They eventually got him the puck, and he was able to play keep away long enough that they got the other two guys off and then some more people on, including Tanner Pearson, who was the one. um, There was a shot towards the net, and then Jonathan Quick. It was kind of 
kind of amazing, you know, once we were all alive again, because it was like Jonathan Quick made the pass um, up the ice that eventually went to somebody else. I can't remember now who, who got that first assist, but and then went to Tanner Pearson. And it was sort of like Jonathan Quick being like, all right, please go up the ice and finish this because he's done. like, I've been saving your ass this entire game because this isn't the only time that the Kings were terrible. They were pretty sloppy for the entirety of the first period. Yeah. Like nothing. They couldn't pass to save their life. They they just couldn't do anything. It was mm-hmm. actually kind of alarming um, because it's not like they were getting – I mean, well, I guess that's the frustrating part. They were getting outskated by the Carolina Hurricanes, and that's just that's just some bad feelings. Yeah. It wasn't a good game from them, and Jonathan Quick definitely kept them in it early. Um, and then they had – in the second period, it was not as bad. They had those moments of um, some actual zone time, uh, which, of course, like, they got their first goal, and that was kind of, you know, some hard work that led to something great. Um, the second goal was a rush goal that was just beautiful uh, between Kopitar to Foley and back to Kopitar for the tip-in. That was great. But then they let the team tie it up. Like, in the third period, that tying goal, that second one, came oh, yeah. off of another instance where it was an extended shift in the king zone and y- you could just kind of feel it coming and then they did tie it Jonathan Quick was pissed about it oh um, so mad <laughs> but there was no challenge or anything so um I think they the team had scored the hurricane scored it was like a on a delayed penalty call to the yeah. Kings. yeah so yeah they were really sloppy they bled a lot of shots they like I said they during the second they started to make some of that up but then they lost it again so not the greatest note to end on in terms of um dominating on the ice but they did get the win so at least they can head into the next game feeling positive and like okay we have areas to improve rather than just like wow that was trash (laughs) (laughs) that's true at least something good came of it because it wasn't all bad it was just it was just mostly sloppy I think Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. It was also Star Wars night. I'd like to mention that because it was genuinely delightful. Yeah, Except for, uh, uh, Bailey's masks were... Terrifying. Terrifying. Not okay. <laughs> it's like he was just wearing melted plastic on his face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was deeply disturbing. So never let me see that again. I, I mean, I understand the problem. There's not, uh, wholesale warehouses to buy... Star Wars masks for lions. You know, yeah. like, I get that that's a problem. <laughs> exactly. But the uh, the putting together of it was vaguely alarming. Right, right. Good organizational attempts at uh, everybody being on theme. Some of the execution a little horrifying. Yep. But, you know, we all survived. The Kings win. Um And now they go on to another road trip, and hopefully we get some more great results for them. Andre Kopitar is still the points leader on the team with 38. He has 16 goals and 22 assists. Um, But also I would like to take a moment just to also mention Dustin Brown, who is second, which continues to be amazing every time he does anything or every time I'm reminded that he is doing so well this season. He has 26 points, 12 goals, 14 assists. I am so happy for him i am happy all the time for him every time he grabs the puck i'm just like oh i think you might do something like there's like a very real possibility that you're gonna make something happen and i think all the fans feel that i mean obviously his team knows that because they know that he's like making plays 
Um, it's funny listening to like sometimes I'll listen to the away uh, broadcast um, or if it's like a national one and. You know, everyone knows the problems that Dustin Brown had been having and having, you know, the captaincy like taken from him. Um, But I think everyone's noticed like, oh, it it looks like Dustin Brown is like getting back into like fine form. He's a little bit looser. He's a little bit more fun, a little bit more free. And it just like makes me very like we're obviously very happy for him and we watch it and we know it. But to see like other people acknowledge it, too, is really delightful. Yeah. um, Sean O'Donnell saying on the broadcast that he thinks that Dustin Brown just looks freer was honestly, I was like, you know, same. I feel the exact same way. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so stress-free now, which also in retrospect, the more I watch it, him and think about the past and especially um, kind of the like, when he, because when he and Daryl Sutter finally had that meeting and there weren't a lot of details about what was said in the meeting or whatever, but we heard about it. And then Dustin Brown was like, that should have happened a year ago. In retrospect, why did Daryl Sutter hate Dustin Brown so much? I don't understand why there was apparently some tension there or an unwillingness to actually give Dustin Brown a chance again after that first down season that he had. Cause then he like worked out really hard and Still, he wasn't getting a ton of great assignments. He was kind of stuck as a bottom six player. And some of it is on him. Like, you just don't have luck or whatever. But also, like, we would see, not just with Dustin Brown, but in general, it seemed like certain players just could not get fully on Daryl Slutter's good side once they had lost it. And the opposite, there were some players that are as much as I love them, super mediocre, who seemed to never be able to do anything wrong in his eyes. Dwight King spent a lot of time in the top six. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. No, Daryl Sutter just has, like, a thing about, like, grit and, uh, you know, being kind of just, like, a a rough-and-tumble player uh, that he loved and that was very frustrating for the rest of us. Yeah. Um, this piece is a few years, a few years, wow, not quite that old, a few, (laughs) a couple weeks old now, or like a week and a half old, uh, but it's still relevant to me, so I'm gonna talk about it. There was a piece about how Andre Kobitar is playing, because I was thinking of, you know, Kobitar and Brown being the top two players, people are noticing it, and so Kobitar in particular, there there was this piece written about how one of the major factors in that is that he didn't come into the season tired because he had played um, Olympic qualifying games the just before last season, and then he had also played six games in the World Cup. Um, so he wasn't tired. But the other thing is he got injured in early November last year against the Senators, and he missed five games, which we all knew about. And then there were rumors afterwards when he came back that he maybe was still dealing with some sort of nagging injury. But the team never talked about it or confirmed it or whatever. But in this piece, casually, like, not really even as the lead thing, it's sort of teased, but not totally. And then kind of at the bottom, they um, or in the middle, they have this quote from uh, Luke Robitaille, where he straight up says, um, he says, quote, he never said a word, meaning Kopitar. He couldn't shoot for three months. That hurt his numbers. The goals weren't there because he couldn't shoot. So now we know that that wrist injury was still definitely a problem. Um, and there was a lot about Kopitar's game that was fine. Like, defensively, he was still doing great things for the team, but he wasn't putting up the same point totals. Um, and now it's like, okay, you always kind of wonder when people hit that 30 mark, like, you're maybe at the end of your prime or past your prime, so you don't want to see anybody decline really fast. 
Um, and he's doing great this season, which is awesome. But it was interesting to have them just sort of casually throw in there. Yeah, he was super injured, but he kept playing. So, okay. All right, moving on. It's, it's comforting. It, it, well, I mean, it's not comforting that, you know, he's like working through an injury or whatever. But it's comforting to know that when we are all a little uh worried about his future production because it looked like it wasn't going so well that it was like because it was it just wasn't normal for him and it didn't seem like the second that you reach a certain age you're like all of a sudden terrible right. uh so it's just like very comforting to know like okay he was injured there was a reason for it it's just not mm-hmm. some you know weird uh fluke or like bad season or something like that he had like a legitimate reason to not be as good as we expect Right, exactly. And so this season he's healthy and he's also, um, along with the production coming back, means that he's feeling confident again, too. Um, and we are reaping the benefits of that. So that's really great. Um, there was a little tidbit right after that in this piece to bring it back to Dustin Brown, too, where he mentioned he was like, you know, Kopitar also had a lot of pressure with it being his first season um, with the captaincy. He didn't mention the word, he didn't say the word captaincy himself. He was just like, Kobe had a lot on his plate. Um, I know what it's like when you're a leader and, you know, you want to be producing and doing well. I forget what the exact wording was, but that was the gist. And that was, um, he. I don't think he intended it to be kind of like a sad trombone moment, but I was like, <laughs> super oh, heartbreaking. No. <laughs> yeah, you do know what it was like to be a leader. <laughs> And have a lot of pressure. So I had some emotions with Dustin Brown in that moment. Oh, no. Yeah, lots of uh, Dustin Brown emotions. Because I feel like he's more open to talk about things now uh, that he doesn't have that. And he's also doing well. So he's like a little bit more open because it doesn't feel as... The wound isn't as fresh Mm -hmm. um, anymore. But it still, you know, breaks my heart a little bit. Right, yeah, same. Because he still feels like a leader to me. And, like, right now, like, he has been wearing the A um, because Jeff Carter has been out. So it's an interesting time. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any tension between the players themselves. Like, Kopitar and Dustin Brown support each other very much still, which is great, and I'm so grateful for that. But it is just, there are those moments where it's like, even when they, it doesn't, he doesn't mean to jab you in the heart, it does a little bit. (laughs) Because I care, apparently, really much, like, so much about Dustin Brown. I think uh, until the end of this season, like if he continues to have a great season, we're just going to feel a lot of feelings. And if he has a great season, we're like, all right, we can move on. But right, right. <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> in the meal- meantime, get ready for this field strip for sure. All right. So now we get to get into all of the like movement, people getting injured, coming off of IR, et cetera, et cetera. A lot has happened because, again, the last time we recorded, it was mid-November. So even though everyone already knows these things have happened, we're going to recap them so we can react to them. First of all, the last time we recorded, we talked really fondly about Michael Camilleri settling back into the Los Angeles Kings. Los Angeles Kings. Guess what? He's super gone. He's gone. He left like two days later. Unfortunate for us. Um, I think that's not the first time that something like that has happened, right? We've talked... We've, like, waited for a second and then talked very fondly about a player and then they left. I, there, I think it has happened before, which is wrong. Anyways, oh, yeah, but he was getting all of the, the school recommendations from all the mm-hmm. other dads and yep. super does not need that anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no school works. I mean, unless he left his family behind, but I would imagine since they, I mean, I don't know how settled in they were, but 
maybe they could have just picked up and went. There's I mean, at the time there's still you know plenty of the school year left. So yeah, um, he is now in Edmonton, and we the Los Angeles Kings in return got UC Jokinen, who has been fun, has contributed some. Um, so that's interesting. They have tried to get him on the team in the past, and they made a go of it again. He's here. Cool. Um, they also acquired Tori Mitchell, who, I will be honest, in my head for some reason, I always think he's a defenseman. He's not. He's a forward. Um, and I don't know if that's just because my association with the name Mitchell is a defenseman. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's always, it keeps surprising me to see that name and also see the number 71 and have it be neither Willie Mitchell nor Jordan Nolan. Um, it's a rough time for my brain. Yeah, he's he's really just borrowing from a lot of very... Because it's not like in the past past. It's a very recent past right? Uh, yeah. of King's history. So uh, it's it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> um, so He had a ton of visa, visa issues at first, but he played his first game with the Kings against Chicago and then, of course, played with them through the homestand. So he is settling in at this point. Um, probably one of the biggest bits of news is that finally Marion Gabrick has come back to the team we had both kind of forgotten about Marion Gabrick being on the team but it turns out it's really great that he's back (laughs) yeah he's doing fantastic um I was a little bit worried that it was going to take a lot um or like too a long time for him to get his groove back or to and not necessarily just him but everyone around him as well like right. no one really knew his exact schedule so everyone was getting very well acquainted with the lines that they were already playing and doing well obviously the kings have had an excellent start so they weren't hurting too bad um so i was afraid that with Marion Gabbert coming in uh it was going to jostle up the lines jostle up the chemistry maybe throw um, the Kings off of their game a little bit, but he's slotted in beautifully. Um, and in the nine games that he's played, he's scored four goals. So he's doing pretty all right. Yeah, still getting a lot of chances in the games. Um, so it's good. Good stuff we're seeing from Marion Gabrick so far. I think also, too, with him, his injury history and also like he's 35 now. So you never know, like, it's kind of a gamble every time or a little bit of a surprise um, when he comes back to the lineup. But like you said, he's had success so far. Um, and it's great to see him out there because he's still, you know, fast on the ice. And that's always good for the Kings. And I'm happy to have him back. Um, so Kyle Clifford got injured in October and um, has not played since. But he's been traveling with the team for he was on the last road trip. He had he didn't play during the homestand. He hasn't been activated yet, but he is around. They are obviously not rushing him, but they've started to kind of make some moves for both him and Andy Andrioff, who got into just a really inadvisable fight. I don't know why he decided to challenge Kevin Bieksa, but he did and then got knocked out pretty much right away. Um, and then either hurt his jaw or some kind of head injury, it seemed like. they didn't. Uh, the Kings didn't really confirm it. They just said upper body, I think. And he got put on IR for a while. He miss, has missed five games. Um, but he was activated on the 7th, so presumably he will be back very soon. So because of Clifford's imminent return and Andy Andrioff slotting into the lineup at some point, um, the Kings did make a move. We no longer have 
Nick Dowd. He's now a Vancouver Canuck, which is good for him, unfortunate for us. Misses um, cute face. Yeah, I, I really like Nick Dowd. And I super don't like the Canucks, so <laughs> <laughs> mixed emotions. But I'm he hasn't been able to get into the lineup regularly this season, and so at least um, because Vancouver has seen some pretty major injuries of their own, I think most recently Bo Horvat, he went up to Vancouver and played immediately. So um, at least that's nice for him in his career. Yeah, that's good for him. Also, pro tip for Andy Andrioff, just or a lot of people, when it comes to Kevin BX, so just don't bother. Yeah, just like in, as a as a general rule, just don't bother with him, please. I, I just not worth it. I have no idea why he did that, but I'm glad that he was not out super long. Um, he's that he's healed up and everything. Uh, anyway, oh for for Nick Dowd in return for Nick Dowd, the Kings. I mean, they didn't just send him there. They got Jordan <laughs> Subban. <laughs> Um, and the Kings had a little fun with announcing that trade because they never actually mentioned his first name. They were just like, trade Nick Dowd, get Subban. Um, and so if you were not paying close attention, you might have tricked yourself into being like, what's going on? Um, but it is a younger brother of PK Subban. And so far, Jordan has played in the NHL for the entirety of his career with the Utica Comets, though he just missed, I believe, um, playing against the Kings in the Calder Cup final in 2015, maybe? Um, I think he just missed it. I'd have to look at it again. He was either, that was either his first season or he came right after. Um, So I don't, but I don't think he has a ton of experience with the rain, but that is where he is now. So he's still looking for his um, NHL debut. So um, whenever that happens, if it happens with the Kings, that'll at least be a cool moment that they can do that for him. Yeah, it was really amusing watching everyone uh, jump to different Subans. Uh, <laughs> anyone right, yeah. but Jordan um, and a lot of people kind of frantically Wikipedia-ing and being like, w- which Subban from the the hockey Subans, right? Like, is this a different guy? How many how many children do they have? Uh, but yeah, it's Jordan. Mm-hmm. Patrick O'Neill and Sean O'Donnell found out on air, which is always nice. It was also it happened right after a game, so nobody was really prepared for it. But it is a trade that exists, and eventually we may see Jordan Subban play with the Kings. Uh, Maybe not this season, because they don't have an immediate need, but we could in the future. You never know. It's kind of interesting that they felt confident. I mean, they kind of had to, I guess, move forward, because... For the moment, it seems like they have a surplus, but do they really? I I found I don't think so. That aspect interesting. <laughs> they are one just like bad choice fight away from losing more people, mm-hmm. or just like one spooky injury, or Marion Gabrick, you know, playing double digit games or something like that, and oh, no. magically his like ankle breaks. <laughs> like oh, no. who knows? Um, to really be dealing in forwards, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, obviously, we're still kind of on a high with the Kings doing very well. Um, but, I yeah, I'm not sure how right that was. Yeah. It's, it's um, a bold gamble, I suppose. Because they're training for a player. They're, tra- they're training a player that is that can play and has played now for a player that's not going to play for the team for a bit. So that's just like an interesting choice to make yeah and i mean the kings still have guy like options with the rain like there are guys who have played on the roster like 
uh, Michael Mersh, for instance. Um, Johnny Brodzinski has been up and playing, so they're testing what they have in the reserves, but it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of an interesting move. They sort of had to make it, but it was still kind of weird. Um, Because the thing about the Kings is they're kind of a, they're kind of playing above their underlying stats right now. So they have a really high or a higher than usual shooting percentage. And um, both of the goaltenders are playing like lights out and their career numbers, Darcy Kemper's career number, career average is like 912, which is a little below league average, I think. And Jonathan Quicks is 917, which is like right at league average or maybe slightly above. Um, But right now, currently this season, uh, Quick's save percentage is 930 in 24 games played and Kemper's is 941. So they're just playing like insane. And if either one of those things goes down, particularly I think if the goaltending goes down, um, the Kings could be in a lot of trouble suddenly because they bleed a lot more shots this season. Their possession numbers kind of hover right around 50%, uh, give or take, depending on the games. Um, They're in an interesting place. So I, I just... I'm not really sure what to expect in the long run, so it's kind of interesting to see them decide to deal or not to deal or I don't know what they're going to do because like you said like they're winning right now so whatever, but that could easily flip. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't like your analysis. I I want this to be a weird season for the Kings where they have <laughs> crappy like you know everyone has one of those seasons where maybe their underlying stats are really great. They just had bad puck luck, and that's definitely happened to the Kings before and plenty of other teams. Um, I am very okay if the Kings want to this season just outplay their stats and just let that be a thing that they do. (laughs) Right, right. Everyone needs a lucky season sometimes, (laughs) and let this year be the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no to wins. I'm just kind of like... They're, it's worrying. Yeah, like, there is you like you have to look at the numbers and just be like, okay, we're winning. That's great, but let's just you know put as many cards in our pockets as we can, just in case, or at least to have room for flexibility to mix things up if something gets stagnant or something isn't working or they fall into a rut or something like that. Because at this point, they're just losing pieces to play and losing pieces to like move around um so that's concerning like will kyle clifford like kyle clifford is traveling with the team but will he get back into you know the roster and will it matter you know like will that affect anything at all um i don't know it's just we'll see i am fast because the other thing about them bleeding shots is they essentially still have the same defensive philosophy, right? Like John Stevens was the one who was in charge of the defensemen, so he's still there. So this is not like a problem that they have no idea how to solve. They just haven't really figured it out so far this season as they experiment with offense. So it's concerning, but it also doesn't seem impossible. Like right now, they seem like they could be a little bit of a paper tiger because of the numbers. But at the same time, I think this is also the group of people who can figure out how to fix that problem, at least in terms of system. Um, I mean, we can question what we think about the talent that is there, um, because there are some new faces. So it kind of makes it a little bit of a, 
a problem, but kind of a fascinating one and not necessarily a dire one. Um, and I'm sure if the goaltending goes down or whatever, they'll try to address it more immediately. But it is just kind of like this interesting question of like, what exactly is going on here? What do you guys think is going on? <laughs> uh, how are you approaching it? I will say that with management and the team that is currently here and how they've been playing, I am more confident in them figuring it out than I would have been in years past. So while it is still concerning on the outside, I have a little bit more faith, um, a little bit... I'm, I'm not as... I'm not as worried as I would have been any other time. Like, if there's any season of the team that could like if there's any roster that could have done this you know maybe this is the one so far yeah totally um and I think we all expected a little bit like if you were going to experiment with different approaches to offense you probably would sacrifice some defense because now you're introducing new variables um so this I mean it'll be interesting to see if like by season's end this is kind of corrected itself over time especially I mean assuming we don't lose any more big core guys and we eventually get all of them back because there's still no timetable for when Jeff Carter comes back. Um, but it'll it'll be fascinating to see where the Kings are at the end of the season and kind of evaluate it that way. Because um, now what they've played, how many games? So, they played 31 games. Yeah, okay. So yeah, they've played 31 games so far. They have plenty left. So it'll be interesting to evaluate it in the long run, but it is, I don't know, it's like turning up some interesting information so far. Um, and it'll it'll be interesting to see what sticks and what kind of shifts both naturally and what they tweak. It's cool to see the Kings put something in front of us that we are not totally used to still. Um, and th- they seem to be having fun. They're winning for the most part. I, like in the past, obviously the Stanley Cups are better than any regular season success but in the past like in the recent past it was always kind of wild to watch teams like the ducks or whatever just like be at the top of the division all the time and all they do is just fucking win (laughs) um and the kings never quite get up to that and now the kings are just kind of chilling sitting at the top of the division and making finding ways to win and that's also fun so yeah i see why other i see why other teams do that yeah. I see why people win president's trophies and things like that. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. This is great. So, you know, I'm not complaining, but it, it just new sets of um, uh, <laughs> findings as we go along. Yeah, this is a, this is a whole new world of emotions yeah. uh, for December 11th. Usually I'm feeling a lot sadder, um, doing a lot of calculating as to how many points they need to make it to the playoffs. Because uh, they're on a downturn, but uh, yeah, this whole winning thing is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, we did have that like questionable period in November where it was not fun. Like they were losing, but it was like not even like spectacular losing. It was just boring losing. But now they're fun again, and they keep things interesting. Like even if they had lost and broken their streak, at least they would have lost in a way that was you know agonizing, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, compelling, let's say. <laughs> I can't say I would have been Sure, it. that's the word we'll <laughs> go for. Compelling. It would have been like the Game of Thrones version of a King's Game. Like, I don't know if I can say I liked it because people I enjoyed are dead now. But the TV, I couldn't look away. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. A bit of a car crash scenario there. <laughs> right. 
Uh, but hopefully they just keep winning and we don't have to think about things like that. Yeah. Um, that would be nice. Um, and, you know, it, for all the, like, little bit of doom saying I just did about the goaltending, it's also just super friggin' dope that Darcy Kemper and Jonathan Quick are playing that well right now. They're doing so great. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm also very happy for Darcy Kemper. I think he's a delight. He is it, loving his time in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Um, Deborah Liu wrote this little piece on NHL.com, or I guess the King site, but ultimately NHL.com, um, about him settling in. He said that he didn't know anybody on the roster before signing here in Los Angeles. He did, however, know other guys who had played on the team, and they all had positive things to say about the guys in the locker room. And then he showed up, and he was like, everybody was super welcoming. It was really great. Now he lives with Christian Folan, I believe, and they both love to cook, so they take turns cooking for each other and go to Whole Foods or cook together, and it's really no, he's that's so, so excited. Nice. <laughs> and on TV a couple weeks ago, he was like wearing Jonathan Quick's shirt. He was very comfortable. Like he just seems so settled and also so positive. It's really nice. Now I'm a fr- okay. Well, first things first. I really hope that the two of them watch like the Great British Bake Off or something together. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> uh, that would make me really happy. Or that they're like, hey, next Thanksgiving, let's uh, let's help cook. Right, or right. whatever it is. But also, I'm worried. We're speaking so nicely about him, and now I'm afraid. No. He's going <laughs> to stay. He's playing like I, too well for them to get rid of him. That's true. That's true. Um but then what if it's a, like, Martin Jones situation where he does no. really well and then they try to trade him away for someone else? They can't. Um, I like him too much. I want him to stay. I mean, as long as no one else gets injured, I don't think we have to worry about it. That's true. Because um, they don't have to trade so hard for uh Right, to find, like, him. anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are teams who need goaltenders, so I wouldn't be surprised if in the event of, like, another major injury and they felt like they really needed to bring in a forward, they would, like, throw him out there. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't come to that, because I really like Darcy Kemper. Um, I do, too. I just really to really enjoy it here. He really likes it. I really like him. He should stay. I'm just worried since we talked about how earlier we talked about Mike Camilleri, and I'm like, what if it's happening again? Hopefully not. Here's the other thing about him, though. I be, I think it's because he's so blonde, and also <laughs> his name has a random U in it. I, I think he's just Canadian, but in my mind, he's always, like, from somewhere else, but I think he's just a Canadian. I think he's from, like, Saskatoon or something, I think the article said, and I was just very surprised. I always think he's, like, Swedish. Yeah. Or something like that, like... I, I don't know why. I just assume so. But you're right. He is just from Saskatoon, Canada. <laughs> so uh, that's him. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know why I always think that that he's like from somewhere else. But it's because just he's him. he's six five, blonde as hell. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're like, yeah, you're like, what's Thor again? You know, Norse. You're Norse, right? Yeah, <laughs> it seems like, like it. <laughs> Um, but no, he's just a, you know, Canadian boy. Um, I enjoy him, though, a lot. Um, but speaking of tall Canadian boys, who else do the Kings acquire? Oh, yes. They've got a couple other tall Canadians. <laughs> They've signed some some minor signings, no big ones. But um, so we all know that the Kings lost suddenly, like, all of their goaltending last season. They had, like, a, a pool of goaltenders, and then they were all just gone. 
Um, and this was this problem was made worse by the fact that Jonathan Quaid got injured, so like Peter Budai was up here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Campbell was like backing him up, all that stuff. Anyway, so now they've been slowly restocking. They just signed a UFA goalie named Cole Keller from the Portland Winterhawks. He is 19 years old, he is 6'4", and he is Canadian. So far, he has played 24 games, and he has a 931 save percentage and 2.15 goals against average and two shutouts. So that's pretty good. He is not – this is his best season so far. So he signed during what is currently a career year, and I I assume that the Kings think that because he is showing a little – you know, uh, some more potential – put him into the system that they have a lot of confidence in with their goaltenders and maybe he can really flourish. So he will be around eventually. Um, he's still with the Winterhawks right now. And they also signed a defenseman named Austin Strand from the Seattle Thunderbirds. He is 20 years old, Canadian, um, 6'4", 216 pounds. So two just friggin' huge guys. The, ki- the Kings have a type, a real yeah. type, and they're not straying from it too much until right, they yeah. have a cadre of tall <laughs> Canadians. Tall, large Canadians. Yeah, they just, lots of tall boys for the Los Angeles Kings. You're just not allowed to be short. He has, this is actually kind of old because I, I realized I don't think I updated this. So this is from last week, but at the time he had 29 points, 10 goals, 19 assists, and 28 games played. Um, this is his fourth WHL season. He has been to the championship for the WHL for the last two seasons, and he went Oh, all the way to the Memorial Cup, though, with two different teams. He was with the um, Thunderbirds last season, and then before that he was with Red Deer um, in the Mem. So John Rosen compared him to, or his career trajectory so far, to Brendan Dillon. Um, And even though he's a defenseman, so it's not exactly the same, but similar to the way that Alex Iafalo found an opportunity because he had a breakout year kind of at the end of his... um, college career that's kind of what the same same thing in a way is happening with Austin Strand where he had like an okay uh WHL career and now has had like a really great breakout year and which was what got him signed a fun little tidbit about him is that right before he like fully like he had committed but like the paperwork they hadn't you know was signed they didn't make the announcement though um he, he signed right after a game where he'd gotten in trouble because he ran into a goaltender again in the the goaltender for the Victoria Royals and he got I think a charging penalty and a game misconduct anyway but what happened with the thing itself is he runs into the goaltender and then the video all you see like you don't even really see him after a moment you see him go down and then suddenly it's just the goaltender Griffin outhouse just like punching him over and over and over again and it was like announcement this dude who just got the crap beat out of him he signed a contract (laughs) (laughs) so weird day for Austin Strand Uh, but he is now part of the Kings organization I mean it should be good because now he's on like the other side of the beatings right right yeah like the Kings are kind of not brutish but they're a more physical team so he uh, shouldn't have to worry too much about getting his ass handed to him Um, so that's good yeah that also just reminded me nothing to do with austin strand but about the kings and specifically jonathan quick two things 
Um, because of the release of Star Wars coming soon, and they at the time had Star Wars Night coming up, there they they did like the question of the week thing. And Alex Curry asked, who on the team do you think would go to the dark side? And one of the people that was mentioned from Dustin Brown, he was like, Jonathan Quick, because he goes to the dark side every couple games. And then we mentioned earlier that Jonathan Quick was really angry about that tying goal against the Hurricanes. So on the next shift, first he took his sweet time before letting them start the next shift. He had to like... Take a minute, shake off his he gloves. Like, he take like he like called he like called out and made sure that whoever was on the ice told the ref to like hold up on the on starting the face off because he had you know he had things to do. He was like, yeah. he was really adjusting his glove. He had to get his hair out of his eyes. This water was just like not coming out of the bottle, <laughs> and it was just a very prolonged affair. Because at the, because just before it had been like a very intense shift, and he was like very upset. You could tell he was trying to cool himself down without you know breaking a stick over uh, the top of the goal or something like that. Um, so that was very delightful because we sat like basically right in front of him for most of the game and that was pretty great. So he did all of that and yet still, because it's Jonathan Quick who is just a wonderful, crazy man, um, grabbed basically the nearest Hurricanes player that came across his crease next and... I don't think he knew who it was. So he pulls down this player and kind of holds on to them. And then I think at some point realizes that it's Justin Williams that he is tackled to the ground. And so as they get up and kind of untangle this, themselves, he then holds on to Justin Williams' stick for a minute to, like, get him to, like, doesn't quite yank him. But because he's holding the stick, Justin does this little, like, yo-yo move um, and turns around to sort of shake free. I don't know if anything was said, obviously, because we're not on the ice, but it was this like little moment of like, oh, he just had a little tantrum, but then decided, all right, <laughs> I'll chill out now. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like just he just saw Justin Williams face and is like had a calm wash over him. He's like, oh, right. I'm this yeah. mad. It's all going to be fine. I can let fine. it go. <laughs> I can let it go. Thanks, Justin Williams. You're a pal. Oh, man. So, you know, that just made me think about... Uh, you talking about like being on the other side of the bullying, so to speak. Um, now he's got someone like Jonathan Quick who will actually, who would probably commend the goaltender that did the fighting, but he was like, now you're on my side, so you let me be the crazy one. <laughs> I'll be attacking dudes that come across me. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. I would love, if there was like a substitution for a fight or something like that, Jonathan Quick would just immediately shake two gloves off and be like, I volunteer for tribute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. He's such a special character, but I enjoy it. He's our, you know, dark, dark side of the forest dude. <laughs> yes, he's our dark side. But it's okay. We embrace it. Um, A couple of big-ish things around the NHL, I guess, before we... Well, I guess first, do you have anything else about the Kings you're thinking of? Want to mention? Um... Not too much, except for the fact that uh, Trevor Lewis needs to get a move on if he's um, expected to reach 20 um, for the end of the year. While it was gone, he did score a bunch of goals and um, scored a great shootout goal and was just like overall very fantastic. So I was very happy to wake up to news of that um, while I was away, but he has uh, stagnated just a bit. So I would like him to kick it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Although but he's that's had about some, it. some a look or two. There was, I mean, he could have He's still, like, fifth in, in scoring. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Hooray, yeah, he, 
he could have ended it in, in overtime, but at that point, I was so just like, honestly, yeah, <laughs> I was I was just like in agony. I could not handle anything. So when the first person that they threw out on the ice after that horrendous uh, overtime shift times three that Kopitar and Tafolian, whoever I guess Dowdy or whatever, uh, did was throw on Trevor Lewis, and it was great. I was like, oh hey, we're going to the other side of the rink. Awesome, and and he tried. You know, I'll give he him did. that. He, he tried. Did try failed yeah um but i commend him for that um there was a time during the game i forget exactly what happened he was just hustling is is what it was the folks and all of us that we were watching the game with were just like that right there that's unsung hero yeah trevor lewis who has apparently been unsung but sung for three seasons, <laughs> yes. or for three seasons so not really <laughs> sure how that works um, but, uh, yeah, he's still doing all right. I mean, I felt like that overtime shift was kind of a testament to it because, like, they finally get one person off the ice and who do they send out? Trevor Lewis. and They you, trust him with yeah, that. That's like, you nice. could be like, why? But, you know, they trust him to be a good defensive player and he didn't mess it up. He had a chance and he made sure the other guys got to change. Good job, Trevor Lewis. <laughs> That's what he's good at. Um, I feel like there was someone else that I was going to comment on because that game had some weird moments. Oh, well. Uh, I just knew that one girl behind us was really into Aya Follow, but didn't know his name for <laughs> yeah. until, like, mid-third period. <laughs> Number 19. You're all yep. right. <laughs> You're all right. <laughs> so fantastic. Uh, okay, so really quickly, some other things. The NHL exploring the possibility of moving to or putting a team to in Seattle. Um, wouldn't happen immediately. They're looking at possibly for the... 2020-2021 season, um, but they are allowing a ticket drive like they did with Vegas to test interest. Um, so that is fascinating because I assume that would mean the Pacific Division would get even bigger uh, and cause some drama <laughs> for people like us <laughs> who cheer for Pacific Division T. Yep. But also some fun. I, I liked the whole, I mean, it took so long and it kept going back and forth, uh, but I they finally figured it out with the Golden Knights. Um, I kind of, I, I like the drama and everything leading up to finding a new team. Like, that's that's fun. And like, what's the mascot going to be? What are the uniforms going to look like? What's their name going to be? Like, that's all kind of delightful. Um but then once they actually play, I'm just like, oh, you're just another team that I'm going to have to hate now. So right, exactly. really <laughs> it's annoying. It's sort of fun, but also annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about the Golden Knights now, where I'm like, that's cool that you are fun and you win and stuff. But also, quit coming for the top spot because I want the Kings to be there. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that is going on is Ottawa's a disaster. Even though they were just in the playoffs and in the Eastern Conference Final, right? That's what they yeah. made it to. But so. now they're pretty low in the league. They're having some struggles. And so Ottawa management has asked, I think, all of the players with no trade clauses to submit their lists for the teams that they would like to not be traded to. Um, but that includes, and this is sort of the big headline here, that includes Eric Carlson. Um, and so... People already know that, you know, they're talking about what's his next contract. And now it's like, will he even be with the Senators? This is not a guarantee. Apparently they've asked him for his no trade list before. But this is an intriguing year now because people were already kind of anticipating drama around him. And now it's like, whoa, maybe 
extra drama. Love extra drama. So there's that. What do you think? Extra drama, extra drama in the other conference is fantastic. I mean, this was the year that Matt Duchesne finally, you know, got a yeah. new team, right? True. So these people that have been fantastic but on shitty teams are uh, getting a go at things. So maybe it's Eric Carlson's turn. I don't know. I can tell Ottawa's going to be real mad about it. But uh, it'll be fun to see him um, on a different team. I, it's kind of hard to even imagine him on, a, oh, on another team, but it could happen, which I think would be really fun to see as someone who has no investment in the Senators. Where would you like, I mean, I honestly do not know which team needs him. I mean, I, I assume any team needs him. If like right. he, he was offered to anyone, they're like, cool, we'll trade whoever. Um, but I don't know what team looks good for him. Where does he want to go? I do want to know that too. Um, I don't want him to go there, but I feel like this is the sort of things that the sort of thing that leads to him ending up on the Sharks. Oh, why would you ever say that? <laughs> That's just what I feel in my bones. Uh, it, he just seems like a person who would be a Sharks player eventually. See, and... I was gonna say I was gonna say Ducks personally. Oh, that would be interesting. I like how we both thought California th- teams, though. True. <laughs> He's not going to Canada, we decided. Or Arizona. <laughs> Wash um, your hands of that, Erica. <laughs> no more Canadian playing. Coming to California. Why the Ducks? I don't know. It's just one of those feeling things. Mm-hmm. I don't have great hockey instincts, so this is really just uh, a shot in the dark. It's just for whatever reason I can see him in a Ducks jersey. This, this has honestly no merit or yeah. basis in anything. I kind of wonder, and this obviously doesn't have anything to do with hockey playing, because apparently that's not what we really talk about <laughs> when it comes to these <laughs> things. But, well, when we don't really care about right. how they play, we're just like, eh, whatever. What what jersey can I see you in? Right, yeah. But with the Ducks, I wonder, like, the personality of that team, and at least the way they come across, and even sometimes the way that they're marketed, they don't, they don't feel like they vibe with the way I perceive Eric Carlson's sort of like perpetually upbeat personality. Um, not that he is like Tomash Hurdle bubbly necessarily, but he seems like friendlier, more personable than I perceive someone like Ryan Getzlaff, for instance. Um, Kevin Bieksa, though, is a pretty personable guy. Yeah. And they have Hampus Lindholm, who is like a literal ray of sunshine. <laughs> somehow i don't know how he's a duck <laughs> but uh he yeah so it could be an interesting mix there yeah i'm very people. i'm actually very excited to see his list i'm always excited to see people's lists because um whether like where they don't want to be or where they do want to be because it, it's interesting it's fun to know a player's insight or like a player's feelings about things because hockey analysts and all that can be like, oh, he would be a great fit here and he would be a great fit here. But a lot of that is just like technical, right? And so if you are a player, you're obviously thinking of a larger picture of whether you would like to play there or whether you know a guy there, like management there or whatever it is. So I'm always very interested to know that and then like pick that apart. If if like he says some like random team, I'm like, really? That? Why? Um, and to see how that would benefit him in a way that he'd be like, I'd like to be traded the same. So I I always love that to hear from like the players themselves. Yeah. I mean, the big thing with him is there was the quote from a couple weeks ago where he, you know, he said he aims to 
get what he's worth in his next contract. So the other big thing is like what teams can afford him. Um, and that I think is where a lot of the Western Conference anyway come becomes a challenge because I mean the cap's going up a decent amount next year, or at least the projection is. So there's some room to play with, but I feel like a lot of the teams in the Western Conference don't have a ton of wiggle room. Uh, maybe that's not the case for a team like Vegas, uh, but I don't know. Like, do the Arizona Coyotes still have room? They took on a bunch of like weird contracts to sort of hit the cap floor. Maybe they still have room. Or, it, I mean, the other thing that's coming out recently in like the 31 Thoughts is that Buffalo is basically willing to listen to um, offers and stuff on anybody except Jack Eichel. So we could see something weird happen, like all of a sudden Eric Carlson is on Buffalo because they are they really want to get serious about giving um, their, their franchise players some support there. So I don't know. Yeah, there are a lot of question marks. And I kind of – I don't know what the realistic option is for Eric, Carl, Eric Carlson. Yeah. I'm just glad that the Kings aren't – needing to do things like this like i'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes things obviously we are all very taken by surprise with the whole uh nick down jordan suban thing uh but that's not like a big name trade so i don't think they're really trying to make it a ton of moves so i once again like all of these it's crazy to i mean i understand why you do it and i understand players are that good but it's it's pretty nuts to i wonder if it's nuts for eichel to be like they're building a team around me like yeah. He knows he's good, but it, it's just crazy to see, like, okay, they're going to dismantle and build something up for you. Right. It has to be both, I won't say exciting, but kind of reassuring, like, because of your own confidence in a way. Um, and then also a little bit stressful because yeah. then the question, I mean, then it becomes kind of like what it was for those years that the Penguins were sort of good but couldn't make it back to the Stanley Cup final where it was like they're trying really hard to build this team around Crosby and Malkin and when it seemed like they did it well people were stoked but if they didn't get it right there was always that question of like maybe they should just give up and start over completely because they don't know what the formula is for these two people um so it's gonna be like equal parts like dope but also kind of you know frustrating in its own way because everything is literally about you (laughs) yeah that's that's just, I think that's also, like, a lot of pressure, too. Like, right. what if they do everything and get you this great team and you guys all still fail to do stuff? It's like, well, what went wrong here? Yeah. I mean, that's um, kind of what hap- is happening with Edmonton right now because everybody had thought they had gotten on the right track because they did so well last season, both in the regular season and then um, had a pretty good showing in the playoffs. And then now this season they're struggling again. So they're like, you have literally – uh, the, one of the top three players, if not the very best player in the game right now, um, and yet you're still losing. What did you fuck up between last year and this year? That kind of thing. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a mystery. I think their goaltender was also really hot last year, and they kind of lost that. So um, it kind of exposed some other problems that they still had. But it's it's tough, <laughs> apparently, to build a winning team around a franchise player. Yeah, I like sort of the uh, lots of pretty okay players thing or like good players like a team of good players instead of one extremely great player that you are forced to work around Mm -hmm. you know it it allows for more flexibility in the other way yeah totally I think the other thing too is 
it's kind of hard still to evaluate coaching, but obviously coaching plays a huge role in it. Like Toronto has a bunch of young, talented players, but you also have Mike Babcock, who has a track history of being able to pull out the best in teams. Um, and so that helps them a lot. So they are a little farther along than I think some people anticipated, even though they didn't, like they lost some dudes and they obviously have these younger star players, but people who've been there for a long time, like Kadri, like Bozak, like Gardner and Riley, like those guys are also still there too. So they changed a lot, but also they're still a lot familiar, but they just found a dude who can make it work. Um, so sometimes like you don't know, like the Kings in... 2012 they seemed stagnant they had Andre Kopitar who was a huge star um and then they got Jeff Carter but like they didn't have a ton of like proven pieces heading into that um playoff run they just found a guy who managed to take all of those pieces put them together and make it work um and yeah you just never know what's going to be that like thing that makes it all fit well, that'll be interesting to see. I'm glad that the Kings don't really have to do anything. Uh, that makes me feel better so that I can fully enjoy yeah. uh, knowing that they're not going to wildly overpay for someone who's not going to make a difference. Oh, please. Yes. <laughs> I don't need that stress. Rental players, whatever. Yeah, we always get... Oh, my gosh. It's like trade deadline or whatever. I'm As we go into the, the playoffs, I'm just like, please, let's not get a random old guy. No, n- none of those. The only random old guy we need is the one that apparently is down with the Ontario rain that they have randomly right now. Uh, Speaking of Buffalo, Matt Molson, down with the Ontario rain, even though he still belongs to Buffalo. They were just like, go to California. And he was like, (laughs) okay, I guess. Uh, Well, we don't need anybody else. We'll just take him. That's the only other older person we need. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. And he's not even on the NHL roster. He's in the AHL. So let's let yeah. As long as we don't we we don't need to give anyone second chances this uh this year is all I'm asking. Yeah. Um. Anything else on your mind before you wrap it up? Sorry, we're out of there. Um. No, I think I am just very into the Kings doing well. Um. And hoping that they just add to their win streak. That's about it. Pretty pretty low expectations. Uh, right now, I just want them to win and, you know, break franchise records. Yeah. Um, so the next challenge is tomorrow night. This will probably go up in the morning. So, yeah, tomorrow night will be the next challenge for the Kings. So let's hope let's hope they go to nine and tie the franchise record. And then by the time we record, let's have reached for the stars and broken that record. That would be all that I actually want out of the Kings for the next week. Yes. Is to manage to win two more games. And they've got plenty of uh, options. So they play... <laughs> um, uh, Maybe they can just win all of them. I don't know. Is that a lot to ask? That would be wonderful. Another perfect trip. Yeah. The Devils, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Flyers. Who cares about any of them? Let's just beat them. Right. Beat them all. Set a crazy record. Maybe maybe the Flyers will continue to be, like, really bad. They'll go on another, like, what was it, 10-game losing streak? Oh, Oh, that was really sad. (laughs) Honestly, I'm just really glad that all of the teams that have done really embarrassing things aren't in the middle of those now, so the Kings can't be the thing that they break those against. Oh, those are always the worst. Like, oh, the the Flyers finally broke their streak against, you know, this team. And you're like... Are we that bad? What do we do? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. So at least just win half of the games they play before we record next. Do they play all four before we record? Yeah. Devils on Tuesday. 
Um, Rangers on Friday, Islanders on Saturday, and Philadelphia, since it's an East Coast game, they start at 4 our time. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, at le- win at least half of them, but preferably all four. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. That's not asking for much, right? Yeah. 12-game win streak. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys. Glad to finally be back after such a long, unintended absence. Um, You know how to find us, Twitter, or email us, chirp at thanksbud. Um, And until next week, uh, be good to each other, take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you later, friends. Goodbye. Yeah, everyone stay safe and don't catch on fire. Bye, everyone. Yeah, bye.